Turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're getting there. Uh, one or two more messages after this, and uh, uh, we'll have gone through uh, the book of 1 Thessalonians. If you were here the last couple of weeks, um, you realize we're in a, uh, the end of the book, and he's kind of almost bullet-pointing some things that he wants to give us, and very tart, very quick, and uh, get to the point. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about how to deal with one another in relationship and how that's a, a depending on where we're at type thing. There's admonishment for those who are unruly or out of line, and there is encouragement for those who are faint-hearted, and there's also uh, for those who can't do it, who are just weak, there's help for those, patient with everybody. And then uh, last week, we looked at really three things that could help us all in every situation. Uh, the attitude of being uh, joyful, of rejoicing always, and then to pray without ceasing, and then to be thankful in all circumstances and everything that's going on. And then this week, we're going to look at, uh, those were kind of personal and relational. Now we're going to look at really the church, how the church functions together. And uh, the Lord has something for us this morning. And it falls into my title, The Don'ts and Do's. Uh, I know that's backwards. Some of you are thinking, that's usually not the way you say that. I know, because the passage has the don'ts first and the do's. And some of you are bothered by the apostrophe right now. Uh, those of you who are grammar, grammar Nazis and such, uh, um, the apostrophe, we worked on it. We had, we had prayer meetings almost this week uh, deciding where the apostrophes would go. But anyways, you can... You can talk to us later about apostrophes. I'm really excited to hear. Um, but um, really, there's just one thing. There's just one thing, one thing uh, that he wants us to get out of uh, this passage this morning. I'll just tell you at, at the outset. Um, God wants to be in charge of his church. He wants to be uh, the number one. He wants us to have our hearts bent toward him and that our hearts submitted to Him in every way. Uh, in the church and as individuals as we come together, that our hearts would be His, that we would be desiring Him above all else. And so as uh, we go to this passage this morning, um, we will uh, we'll see that really there's just one issue, and it's Him. If you'd stand in honor of God's Word, I'd like to read to you last week's passage as well as today's. Verse 16, it says this, um, this is chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. Rejoice always, uh, pray without ceasing, uh, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, uh, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. God, we ask your blessing on your word. Uh, may we be humble and submitted to it now uh, as if we're hearing from you because this message comes from you. Help us to see that. Uh, do your work in your church, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So we're looking for first the don'ts, the things we are not to do. As you look down at verse 19, he puts two don'ts together. Do not, 
do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. We hear the uh, the spirit. Um, it m- most of the time in the New Testament is the Holy Spirit, and in this passage, it seems clear that it is the Holy Spirit. Um, and as you think through who the Holy Spirit is, uh, third person of the Trinity, right? That our God, the God that we serve, the Father, the Son. The Holy Spirit, uh, all of them are distinct in their person. They are not all together in a sense that they are not distinct, but they are also all together in unity, in perfect unity, uh, as they work together to work out the plan, uh, their plan in our world today. As you think about the Spirit of God, in the Old Testament, uh, you see different times and places where the Spirit of God is prompting individuals and working and empowering, most of the time, the king. Um, and in the New Testament, you see different times where Jesus, at the, at the outset, uh, has interaction with the Holy Spirit in his earthly ministry. And then when you get to the book of Acts, after the Lord is uh, has ascended, uh, you see even different, uh, that the Holy Spirit is almost prominent in the establishing of the church. And it says this in Acts chapter 2, it speaks of uh, that the Spirit came upon uh, those members of the church, and there there was a a visible picture of that. uh, Above their head was a burning flame. And uh, even, I think there's a connection in our passage uh, with a picture of a flame burning to be doused, okay? So I, I think that's a connection here as we look at in the book of Acts. You also see in um, the book of Acts, you see miraculous signs coming connected with the Holy Spirit. And specifically, uh, a lot of times there is the speaking of tongues, the speaking of languages that is a gift to communicate uh, one to another, languages they didn't know prior to that, that time. And this is all uh, the work of God for the establishment of His church, uh, that God does a special thing in the time where the Scripture is not as we have it right now, uh, but the establishment of the church is happening uh, before their very eyes. Uh, you see the beginning of the church and the work of the Spirit. You also see, um, as the church is established, you see the speaking of uh, about spiritual gifts that as people come to know Christ, that the spirit of God uh, works in them and gifts them specially, uh, gives them a special gift at the point of salvation. Now, um. We struggle sometimes with this idea of spiritual gifts because, first of all, some of us, we say, well, I don't know what my spiritual gift is. Or uh, others confidently say, this is my spiritual gift. Um, I want to tell you that uh, to start understanding about spiritual gifts, and maybe we'll talk about this in the future sometime in depth, but to take a step back from that and know this, that as uh, you have been gifted spiritually gifted you have a spiritual gift it is not for you it is not for you it's not something that is to make you great it's not something that you're to make money with it is not something that you are to take pride in 
but rather that spiritual gift is for the blessing of his church, that he has gifted each of us that the church would be provided for, that we would encourage each other and strengthen and edify uh, here in our midst in the church. And then lastly, I just want to point this one thing out about the Spirit of God. In this book, in 1 Thessalonians, and I think it's important to get context to hopefully understand uh, what Paul's talking about. You look in chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians, you see a couple of verses, verses 5 and 6, tell us something about the Spirit's work in their midst. The first thing it tells us in verse 5 is that the Spirit was involved giving power for receiving the gospel. Some of us struggle with this. We think, um, how does one come to know faith? Well, they, they're, they're smart enough to understand the gospel and then to figure out their need and then to make the decision to change. And I want to tell you, that's all kind of true. Apart from this, that we are called dead in our sins. Book of Ephesians, book of Colossians. And what do dead things do? Not much. Not much. Um, some of us have tried to water dead trees. Um, doesn't matter how much water you put on them, they're not doing nothing. I, I was in Home Depot last week, and this lady came in, and she goes, I have this dead plant, and I want to return it. And I just smiled. I just laughed. I go, uh, were they going to put that back on the shelf? You know, uh, you know. I, I didn't like the way it looked. I thought it was going to be more purple than brown. You know, it's dead. You know, you killed it, lady. Uh, uh, but uh, I didn't say that. I just kept my mouth shut and had all these thoughts going through my mind. <laughs> um, we are dead in our sin, and uh, the Scripture tells us that in, the, in God's grace, He extends and He empowers us through the Holy Spirit that we might respond to the gospel. So verse 5. And then uh, in verse 6, it even tells us that the Holy Spirit is the giver of joy. The giver of joy. And I want to tell you this. Uh, sometimes we forget as believers, it's not because we're positive people that we have joy. Uh, if you're depending on your positivity for the events of life, I want to tell you, you're going to run out quick. You're going to run out quick. You're like a a gas tank on a moped, you know. It's not going to last, you know. It's very small. And, and I want to tell you, you're going to run out. But the power of God working in you, the Holy Spirit, the giver of joy. And then thirdly, uh, in chapter, um, in 1 Thessalonians again, in chapter 4, verse 8, it speaks of um, really understanding that the the Spirit of God helps us to understand what God desires for us. And not just to understand, but gives us the power to accomplish, the power to obey. Uh, once again, uh, the, us obeying God is not just an issue of the will. It's also an issue of the strength, that, we, and our strength runs out. And so the Spirit of God works in us that we might obey. This is the Holy Spirit. Um, and as we look at this passage, um, our very short command is to not do something. It's don't. Uh, don't quench the Spirit. As we look at this, this word quench, uh, 
is a word like a fireman would use. It, it's the idea of, of dousing a flame, of putting it out. Uh, difficult to think about this because we think, well, put out the Spirit of God. No, we're, we're never going to, no one's going to put out the Spirit of God. The danger here is to douse or to quench the Spirit of God, the work in the life of the believer, the work of the life of the individual, and not just the individual, but the church. Okay? So he's calling on us to come away from this idea that we would quench the Spirit of God. As you look at this, what is the Spirit of God? Well, it's the power of God. It's the power of God to do the work in the church. The Spirit is doing the work in the church. And and sometimes it's difficult to picture this. Um, some of us come from different church backgrounds, uh, you know, and, and you say, well, how is a church run? How's a church run? And you say, well, depends what kind of church it is, right? Um, you know, if you're in a Baptist church, they have a certain, you know, and this is kind of the way I grew up, you know, they, they have a certain, certain church structure. You, you know what that's called? It's called, some of you are thinking right now, congregational rule. There's another word, it's called mob rule, mob rule, you know, where everyone has a vote. And I remember as a kid sitting uh, through uh, business meetings at church, and it was super exciting for a kid because you never knew what was going to happen. You never knew who was going to stand up. You never knew, that, like, and there would be different things. It was really bad, by the way, um, b- bad situation. But I thought it was exciting because things were happening in the church. Not necessarily good, but they were at least happening, you know, um, Others of you uh, have gone to churches and, and been raised in situations where uh, the pastor is in charge of everything. He is the only voice that matters. You, you know what that's called, right? A, a dictatorship. We've had those before, like Mussolini and Hitler. and uh, That's not a good method either. And some of you are going, so the way we're doing it is right. I don't know. I don't know if we are doing it right. Um, we, uh, we, we consider ourselves an elder-run church, and uh, the elders vote, but also the congregation votes. But, but the point here is this, is, and this is where we get back to that one thing, it is God, it is God, is His power uh, getting His way within the church. And it's not about what I voted for, what you voted for, but it's what God desires for his church. And it's not about my strength or your strength. It's about God's strength in the church. I want to encourage you that this passage for us this morning, uh, there's a difficulty for us. There's a, uh, a desire to kind of control the church for our own desires and what we want. And I want to tell you, don't do it. Don't do it but desire for God to have his power manifested in our midst and be the power we depend upon. Um, So he calls on us not to quench the spirit. He goes on in verse 20 to say, do not despise prophecies. And as you think about, um, it's very interesting that, that the spirit of God, one of the spiritual gifts is prophecy. And when you think of that word prophecy, it's not anywhere it's just in this passage, in this book, okay? He hasn't spoken of prophecies before, um, and he's following up on it. He just says, do not despise prophecies. Most of us think of prophecy as the Old Testament, where 
you had prophets coming, and the, the word prophet is this foretelling. It's this telling of a, a message, not from the prophet himself, but from God. And in the Old Testament, many times, most of the time, it was a, a foretelling of what is to come. Uh, not, you know, we almost think sometimes as like a fortune teller or something, coming up with something that hasn't happened yet. Prophecy in the Old Testament was foretelling a message of what God thought of his people and what was to come uh, as they stayed on their course. In the New Testament, we see this idea of prophecy similar to that. But when you add the word of God, this word right here, you realize that um, the, the, the prophecy that we are talking about as we complete the New Testament um, we see that it is the, the telling of the message of God. And so he says about this message of God, he says, do not despise prophecies. Listen for the voice of God. Listen, I want to hear from God. And in fact, as I was thinking about this, it, it's this eager anticipation in our heart that says, I want to hear from God. I, I want to hear what God thinks of me. I want to hear what God thinks of my church. I want to hear what God wants us to do step by step. And he says, do not despise. Uh, this, this word despise uh, is the idea of to think nothing of or to downgrade. Downgrade. Now, um, to think nothing of or, or downgrade, I, I think of going to the mail. Uh, I'm in charge of the mail at our household, uh, and I get to go to the mailbox, and, you know, I take all the big issues of life, you know, uh, and there's all kinds of complications of mail out here in Bear Valley that you're like, you're not sure if you're really getting all your mail, or you're not sure why there's just a pile of ads one day, and then there's a stack of bills another, and uh, anyways, but but you go and you get your mail, and you're going through it, and um, you say, trash, trash. Trash, trash. Oh, this might be a bill. And you open up and then you realize, oh, this is trash too. And, uh, um, and, and there's this going through it and seeing what there is to keep and what there isn't. And so there, there's a process happening there. And, and I want to tell you, this is the picture when you consider the voice of God, the voice of God and everyone else's voice. The question is, if, every, if there's a letter from God and your insurance company and the cable company that you're never going to pay for and Taco Bell side by side, what are you going to listen to? And for us to be able to see that it's not that these are all trash, but there's one that rises above all and is the one we listen to. And for us to think anything less of what God has to say to us is to downgrade or to think nothing of His voice to us. As you think about this, you realize that um, 1 Thessalonians obviously was written. It was very new. Um, This is not, the Bible is not as we have it here today. Um, It has not been completed. And now that it has been completed, we have it here. Um, And secondly, uh, to just consider this, that we would desire to have the power of God in his church 
and his voice to be prominent in all that we do. Um, I, I want you to be real careful. Um, there's going to be something that happens. We don't have it on the calendar, by the way. Uh, we're going to do something that you don't like here at Bear Valley Church. Like I said, it's not on the calendar yet that I know of. Um, and it may fire you up inside. It may fire you up inside. And you may think, I don't like it. And I'm about ready to protest. And I'm going to go tell somebody. And I want to tell you, before you do that, take a step back and say this. Is God getting his way at Bear Valley Church? Because this isn't about me getting my way. It's not about Pastor Kevin getting his way or the elders getting their way. But is God getting his way at Bear Valley Church? His, is his voice being heard? It is, are they dependent upon the Spirit of God to do the work here? Or is this something that is just man-centered? Because if it's just man-centered, it's just my desires against yours or yours on mine or yours on one another. It, it's just about our opinion. But his church, he's church. And he, uh, his power is what we depend on. His voice is what we listen to. Okay? This is where we're going with this. And so he says, don't, don't uh, seek to quench or to douse the Spirit's work. Do not despise or think nothing of prophecies, the message of God. Um, the, the second section, the do's, uh, started in verse 21. And like I said, I think this is really just one point, but it's separated into those that we don't do and those that we do. Um, and as, uh, as we come together, we, we want to see there's three things that we are called to do. Um, and it's the same picture, and it's how we really respond to the work of God and to His message. Verse 21 says this, but test everything. Test everything. Um, and, and what that means is this. Some of you go, oh, I love tests. How many of you love tests, by the way? Love tests. Uh, some of you say, yeah, I love a good test. Um, m- most, of it, most of us love a good test when we pass, right? Uh, when we don't pass, always, you know, it's a terrible joke, and no one thinks it's funny, but I say it over and over again. I think that's called a dad joke, by the way. Um, but when somebody says, you know, I have to go in for a blood test, you go, oh, did you study? <laughs> did you study? And uh, it's always... You know, I sometimes even double down on it when somebody says, yeah, I have to go again. And you say, oh, you must have not studied. Did you study this time? Uh, but th- this idea of testing is back to the male uh, picture is that we are looking at things not to reject them, but hoping to accept them, to find them as genuine. Uh, you got to be careful when you hear uh, test this. Some of us in our just being critical uh, we sit back and we fold our arms and we go, present what you have to present to me and I will decide if it's worth. That, that, that's not the picture at all. Um, in fact, some, sometimes we find ourselves to be capable. I want to tell you, you're not capable of testing. You're not capable of it. Uh, some of you say, well, I, I'm good at making decisions. No one's ever going to pull something over on me. I want to tell you, in this passage, we're talking about the Spirit of God and really the, the fake Spirit of God, the Spirit of the enemy who seeks to deceive. And if you think, if you think 
you're good enough or smart enough. Uh, I want to tell you that in and of, of you know, th- that statement in and of itself is proof that you're not smart enough. Uh, you can be deceived. Some of us think that, well, the way I test things, uh, it, it seems good to me. Seems good to me. You know, it seems seems like that would be the, the right answer. It seems like that would be. I want to tell you, don't go on that that test. The seems good to me test. Go on. This seems good to God. This is what God would have. This this seems connecting to what I know about God through his word. Not seems good to me, but seems right in the eyes of God. In first John chapter four, verse one, it says this. A similar type idea, chapter 4, verse 1 of 1 John. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone into the world. Many. And and, and you get this picture that this world is filled with false. False pictures of who God is. False ideas of what he does, uh, counterfeit, if you will, works of God and hearing from his voice. So he says, test, test, test to see. Uh, You may ask the question, well, what are the tests? How do we run these tests? How how do we get through them? I'd say there's really two basic tests. One is theological. One is theological. Does what I am seeing and experiencing and hearing, does it match up with what I know God's word says? Some of you are saying right now, well, you know, that's kind of limiting, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And you say, well, maybe God's just doing something new, just some different. And like he's turned the page to uh, for, for something new that, that's different. That book's old and maybe he's doing something different. I want to tell you, if the Spirit of God is working, uh, it's matching, it's matching the Word of God. You know why? Because the Spirit of God inspired this book, inspired this book. So the two will mirror one another. Your experiences, what's going on in your church right now, as well as what God has shared in His Word. It will not contradict. That would be two different voices. And the Spirit of God will not do that to us. So the first one is theological. The second one I would say is practical. Practical. And maybe there's a better way to say it. I just chose that. If you have a better one, you can come up and correct me afterwards. Um, practical. Uh, it's what does it produce? What does it produce? Um, a- as you see God doing his work and you hear the voice of God and, and, and things, what does that produce in you and in the church? In James chapter 3, at the end there, it talks about two different kinds of wisdom. Wisdom from above and wisdom from below. And the the simple thing that you need to read in that passage is this, that wisdom from above produces different things than wisdom from below. And I want to tell you, if God, if we are listening to His voice, if we are hearing from Him, if we are following His lead, if His power is in our midst, guess what's going to be produced? good stuff that comes from God. And if it's not from Him, you know what's going to happen? Selfishness. Chaos. Disunity. Angry. Separation. 
Uh, th- this is what it's going to produce. And so for us to say, uh, you know, I'm not always right about this. I'm pr- seeking to do these tests and like think this through. It, it seems like it connects with God's word, but like the the pro- product of it is like disunity and the ruin of a church. Like to think through, is this what God wants for us? You will know uh, both by the theological tests that it connects with the scripture that he gave us as well as the practical test that what it's producing is consistent with who God is and what he has called called us to and what he produces as he does his work in us. The last two uh, quick bullet points tell us really the outcome of how to how to get there. And the first thing is to hold fast, hold fast. As you look at this, he says, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. If you can get the picture in the pile of stuff that's happening in in your church and the the things that are happening in one's life and the the teachings and and the, the work that's going on, you're looking and hoping for that which is genuine. And when you find it, you know what you're supposed to do? Hold fast. Hold fast. It's the idea of a permanent grip, habitual. It's the idea of that perpetual death grip on this because I found something that is good. I found something that is good. I think about this when I think of our young people uh, and our old people. Um, And this picture here that sometimes when you're young, you say, I got it. I got the right answer. I, I found what I've been looking for, and it's Jesus. I, I found it, and I cling to it. And, and then uh, because you're used to changing, uh, changing phones, changing clothes, changing styles, changing friends, cha- changing everything, you're used to changing. You go, oh, I'll, I'll never. Yeah, what's that? And you toss it aside. And you say, oh, I, I'm going after something new. And And the picture here is this, that as we find that which God is doing, as we hear his voice, we cling to it. It's a death grip. Hold fast. These two words, um, in the English translation, it says um, hold fast, and then it says in our translation, ESV, it says abstain. But it's kind of a a similar word. Uh, Hold fast is the first one, and then hold off hold off but it wasn't we we don't say things like that but it's this idea of clinging to one and shoving away the other holding off or abstaining or pushing it away and this is the picture as we go through life and as we uh, process what God is doing as we find him we hold fast and as we see things that are counterfeits and bad for us we're pushing them away. We're holding them off. Um, you can even picture sorting through. And one, you have the death grip, and the other, you're just sorting through, and you're just t- chucking away. Um, this is the picture for the results of this test of what God is doing for us to test everything. As we look at this passage, uh, I want to close us with three things that we should remind ourselves from for as we consider this idea of doing things and not doing things, um, as we look for God to be prominent. First of all, uh, remind yourself that uh, to let God be
be the God of your church and of you. God, that he would be the God of the church and and the God of you, that, that you think about him and you're going, this isn't about what I want. This isn't about what I think is best. This isn't what seems right to me, that I want to hear his voice at my church, but I also want to hear his voice personally, that I don't want to listen to myself. I don't want to depend on my own power. I want him to be prominent in my church and in my own life. For God to be, to have that position. Secondly, uh, when you find it, hold fast. Hold fast. That idea that you are decided. You're, you're not up for sale anymore. I, I love that feeling. I don't know if you, you feel this way, but um, have you ever looked for a car or seeking to buy a house or searching around for something that you really can't find? And, and when you're looking for a car, and you're de- debating between a bunch of different cars, you go on the freeway, and you see a car that's kind of one of the five or whatever, and you go, oh, I'm looking at it. That's a 19, you know, depending on your price range, that's a 92, uh, you know, and uh, uh, man, that, that doesn't have too much chip paint. That's looking like, that's kind of what I was looking at right there. And, and you're, 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 you have your eyes open for it and stuff like that. I love the feeling when you finally make the purchase and you're done with it and you're like, I I don't care. (laughs) I don't care what anyone else has. I'm done with it. I'm over it. I don't have to go through that process anymore. I don't have to look at Craigslist anymore and whatever. Like, I'm done. I want to tell you that feeling, that feeling is what we should be with the Lord. That we're done. It's over. When we find what He is doing, that we would hold fast to it, that we'd cling to it, we would say, I'm over it. I'm not looking for anything else because I have what is from him. Lastly, I would say this. As uh, as we consider what we should remind ourselves uh, that we should make sure we have exchanged the idea of it seems good to me, seems good to me for the important promise of it seems good to God. What does God want that we should always be asking It's not about what my opinion is. It's not about what seems good to me. But does this connect with what he has shared about himself and his word? Is this something that he would do? That we're always fixated on that God is at work in his church. So often uh, we quickly go uh, to this idea that we have the right answers. That we have the right thoughts. That we have the right opinions. I want to tell you, we don't. And when we think we do, uh, we're, we're just delusional in, in thinking that somehow, some way, uh, that we have all that we need instead of that God is the one who should get his way in our, in our life and in our church. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. What a blessing it is uh, to hear from your word. And God, I pray that we would be that kind of church that would be thirsty for it that we would be um, longing and yearning to hear from you and that we would not be people who trust in our own devices and our own strength, but that we would be desirous of your spirit uh, working in our midst. God, I I ask that you would make us careful as your people, that we would be able to test and decide uh, what you are doing and uh, and, uh, be able to... um, 
understand what is genuine and what is not. God, do your work in our midst. Help us to uh, follow your lead and not expect that you would follow our desires. We thank you in Jesus' name.